I'm Pace Freed, the host of the X Factor Roping Podcast, as well as the creator of XFactorRoping.com. And I just want to thank you for you guys supporting, listening to this podcast, supporting X Factor Roping and following us on social media. You know, X Factor Roping is something that we've worked so hard on. I believe it is the best website out there to improve your roping. And it would mean so much to me if you would sign up and show your support and become part of the X Factor Roping family. Thank you for listening. We're doing another X Factor Roping podcast. I'm sitting here with Buddy Hawkins at the house, and um, you know it's pretty cool. I, I've known Buddy for quite some time, but as two-time NFR qualifier, just getting ready to go for his second finals here, BFI champion. I mean, Buddy has won a lot in his life, and his. But my favorite thing about him is he's a grinder. He's one of the healers out there that just grinds with them all the time. Works at it really hard. Uh, it just always has that just that strong mentality towards improvement and striving to get better. If you follow him on Instagram, I highly suggest you do just cause you can see what he's all about day in and day out. And it's, it's really cool. I, I like to see what his journey and where he's kind of going with things. So buddy, thank you for being here, man. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me Pace. So buddy, to start it off, I, usually I kind of like to go back and kind of get the story, but man, we filmed with you today, uh, getting ready. We just went and shot some runs in slow motion for your guys' NFR practice sessions. And, and I have to say like your guys' practice session today had me pumped, uh, like to kind of <laughs> set it, it's, uh, they, it was a uh, lane Ivy and buddy wrote together with Cody snow and Wesley Thorpe at Cody's house. And, uh, about 40 head of steers that are going to fit the finals right. NFR measurements set up and then stereo right next to the boxes, <laughs> ripping some M and M and all kinds of whatever jams Cody has on his, you know, his speaker or whatever. But, you know, it was fun because it, it was, it was intense and you could see you guys would break it down a little bit and just, it was it was high quality practice and it was kind of one of those like, man, you, these guys are all hungry and competitive and it was fun to watch that today. Well, thanks base. I, I felt the same way. You know, we, uh, I got to give a lot of credit to Cody and, and Lane for setting it up like they did. Um, you know, Cody's in a really good job setting his arena up and maintaining the ground conditions over there. Um, he's got great ground in the first place, which is huge to me. But then, uh, you know, them boys went out, there was a hundred head of steers there at one time, um, that, that they were roping on and, and, you know, kind of cutting the herd down to where, you know, somehow they, they got strong enough steers that they, they maintained through the whole, um, through the whole duration, you know, we've still got some practice, but, um, but I, I felt really good about it today. I, I think, you know, each day that you work on it, you know, you're going to have, you're going to have some things that click. Sometimes you don't even notice what's getting better. Um, but, but I felt, I felt good about it today and, and I love being able to spire, you know, uh, uh, you know, off and on throughout the day, Snow and Thorpe and, and myself, we were, we were running the stopwatch and, you know, starting it when the head horse's chest had break the plane of the box and kind of trying to estimate when, when you finished and enough time for the flag to drop and, and then the timer to, to stop it. And, you know, trying to make sure our runs are, you know, we, we believe in, in ourselves enough that we don't have to do that day in and day out. You know, if we're doing, if we're doing what we're supposed to in preparation, then we're going to be fast enough at the event. Um, but, but it was pretty fun today to kind of add that element to it. Um, you know, and, and it, it up the ante maybe a little bit having cameras on, on all sides of you too, and, and kind of feeling a little bit of, uh, um, uh, conviction, I guess, in your practice more so than, than, uh, 
than just going at them and, and kind of just letting it happen. Um, I'm never really much of a guy to just let it happen in the first place, but uh, I'm excited y'all were able to be out there and, and do that, and I'm excited to watch the runs. Yeah, man, I, it was, it's really cool. I, I was told that one time when, when we were filming, and, and it made me realize it, but you, know, you guys run so many steers, but when you get the cameras out and it gets a little bit more intense because every steer matters all of a sudden where you can kind yeah. of get practice. Exactly. I, I think, you know, and, and I video my runs, you know, um, my brother Josh has worked for me pretty much full time for the last two years. And I've had a couple other guys help me off and on. Um, but, you know, I probably get about 70, 80 percent of my runs videoed now. And, you know, we're at a point in the sport, as I talk to a lot of people, our sport is so young when you compare us to golf or or to a sport that's been around for for a hundred years basically you know team roping at its finest particularly healing is is still a fairly young sport and so we really aren't a hundred percent sure we have a good idea of these guys like rich skelton and jade corkill that have just what you would say flawless form but we're not really a hundred percent sure exactly what the what you might coin the tiger woods swing of of team roping is and so in the healing, you know, I watch my runs and I watch what works and what doesn't. And, and I try as much as I can, you know, there's probably, if we ran 30 steers today, there's probably 15 of those runs that I could call back to you, you know, play for play after we roped. And, and that's one thing for me, I don't necessarily run a hundred when I practice. There's, there's days that I run a hundred, 150 and, and people say that all the time, but I mean, there's days that I've put a put a number to it. I knew exactly how many steers and I knew exactly how many times we ran them and how many my partner caught or missed. But, um, you know, but running to me, the perfect number is somewhere in the, in the 20 to 40 range. And I'm able to make every run count. But, but as you said, you know, when, when there's people there specifically to film my catches, <laughs> I don't, I don't necessarily want them filming all my misses. Then it, it does, it, it kind of elevates practice. And, and I appreciate that because, um, anything we can do, you know, there's going to be more cameras on us in Vegas than there were today. So, uh, and that, and they'll, they'll video us from, from breakfast until, until bedtime. So the more that, uh, the more that I can prep for that, the better off I'm going to be. So, um, man, to kind of jump into this preparation for the NFR, this is your second finals and it's been a few years since you've made it. So you've kind of, I mean, you've got a lot of experience under your belt at this point. What are some big, big deals that you tried to apply to your preparation this year for the NFR? Well, when I made it in 2013, you know, I bought my card in 12. So, so, you know, uh, not, it wasn't a whirlwind by any means. When I bought my card in 12, I thought I was ready to win rookie of the year and, and make the finals, you know, that year. And, and I roped medium. I had a decent winner and just, um, as things progressed through the summer, I just, well, you know, until you apply your preparation, you don't know how good it is. You know, I could, I could beat, I could beat everybody in my head and in the practice pen. And so I went out and I didn't beat everyone. So I went home, worked at it, had a good, good year, I would say in 13 and a better year in 14. I just missed the finals. Um, you know, 14, I won the Feist and I won uh, the Texas circuit. I won quite a few things and then went on the next year, the Ram finals. And I haven't really had what you'd say a, a dry year. 2016 was kind of slow, but, but in, in lead up to 2018, the, the things that I've really learned, um, particularly about the national finals is, um, you've, you've got to ride a very fine line, you know, uh, Sherwood and I roped for a while this summer and we talked a little bit about riding the edge. Um, the, the only way you're really pleased with your team roping or probably anything you do in any field is if you're doing your absolute best 
And typically, I mean, I guess without exception, probably, your absolute best is going to be right on the edge of losing control. You know, you have to ride the line of I'm nearly not doing it at all, but I'm still doing it. You know, it's like like riding a unicycle or or a bicycle with no hands or, you know, it's like we've got to we've got to get. And so what I see with the national finals a lot of times is guys they ride that line and they ride it and they ride it and they start to lose track of that line is they're either a pressing so extremely hard and that's probably the really the only stumbling block they're just pressing so hard that you get there and a steer doesn't leave and you break the barrier in the heading and you you miss the cow and you miss the first one of the whole week and you went out there to to score good get 10 good starts and rope the horns 10 times and you've already dropped you know the ball at the beginning of the week which can happen to anyone the best guys are separated because they come right back from that mistake the healer who you know jumps the cow hazes him straight into the fence and then ropes a leg on the first one or or misses or you know heals him and and loses his rope the the truly great guys the the difference between them and everyone else in my opinion is how they come back from from a bad start or or from a mistake but um but the biggest thing that i've learned with every event throughout the year is you know we need to prepare way in advance i've been preparing essentially like a I told someone the other day, I feel like I have an advantage. I've been preparing for this finals for five or six years. <laughs> That's how long it's been since I've been out there. Right. And and I've watched every single run of every single guy and and studied it. And, and I've literally made, you know, the horse I plan to ride out there is the horse I call X. Um, you know, I've, I literally, when I bought that horse, you know, the, he, he made one run when I tried him that pleased me. I didn't like any of the other runs. The one run he made that pleased me. Um, and it was one of those deals. I was literally looking for what I believe I have now. I was looking for a horse, a green horse that had the potential to go at the highest level. And, and I genuinely believe going in the 2018 finals that I have one of the better horses for that. What, what his weakness would be, um, would be an area that the, maybe the barriers long and the steers are slow. And you've really got to read it so you don't get too close through the corner. Um, where he's the strongest and, and his best is, is a setup exactly like the Thomas and Mac to me. It's a place where the steers are big. They run really hard. The barrier's short. Your header's going to head them. They're going to accelerate after the head rope goes on. Um, and that's where, like my mare, for example, Daisy, she's a really good horse. And I've been real happy to have her around for 11 years. But, you know, she has a tendency to cow when the head rope goes on. And, and it really allows you to get a little bit behind. Um, I would be tickled to death to ride her on 10 in a row. But I'm not planning on riding her on any. Because um, I think that gelding is going to be good. But but I, I know that's a long answer. But but my deal is, you know, that X, for example, he, he rides the line of, of, you know, borderline out of control. You know, you think about... Uh, maybe a video you'll see on Facebook and somebody's riding a dirt bike down a hill or something and right when the front wheel goes doing that death wobble <laughs> before it flips, yeah. that's sometimes how I feel um, when when I'm practicing and, and the veterans know exactly how close they can get to the death wobble and maintain control of the vehicle, maintain control of their mind and their emotions and and get through 10 days and and back to that i i can't say enough my partner he he set practice up so well it's his first trip out there 
and and you know uh, you got to see the runs today and and it's one of those deals I you know you know a lot about it, I know a lot about it but it's a spot where I think his style and snow style Wesley and I've been talking a lot and and just you know if nothing else building each other up but man we we believe really strongly in our guys and and the fact that they're able for for some of the younger generation of guys that can really reach and do all that they have such good horses and they ride across the line so good um we expect them to be able to get the steers on as short a rope as as the you know the big time guys um all of them could reach but we think they're going to be able to get them on a short enough rope we're going to have plenty of room in that building and and that's what everyone's scared of going out there is you know if a steer steps left your guy bombs and all of a sudden the steer's on a loose rope and your guy's hung up in the corner so yeah to kind of explain that a little bit more too what what you'll typically see a lot at the nfrs uh, headers with some really good offense and there's a lot of room to the left wall uh, they can get in trouble really easily over there at the thomas and mac because there's not much left and uh and then also there you know even if a steer steps left or you have much movement off there it's it's tough so your healers are wanting to leave them as straight as possible and then the score is so dang short like you said your headers can have it on them fast it's hard for a hill horse to clear the box and then just to get around the corner so that's that's a couple of things that buddy is really talking about is being able to ride the line of you've got a horse with enough speed that you can still ride position and get up around the end of it and heal controlled but fast as well as having your header be able to throw i mean ideally it's one coil and uh if this you know if the steer is strong you're going to be throwing two or how it sets up but usually when you're throwing two you're pretty committed to uh, a, a shorter four second type of run out there is how that usually plays out at least from what i what i've seen i think yeah i think you're exactly right pace and, and what i see um you know in the healing it's it's a spot where um you know those the steers are so strong it's very much like the bulldogging. You know, I remember one year Joe Beaver hazed out there in, in the bulldogging, and he was describing how he's won so many championships in, in, you know, what they coined the house that Joe built. And yet he said he was never as nervous as when he hazed in the bulldogging. And he, because, you know, back to that, the, the bulldogging also, they wrote big, strong steers. And, you know, I've, I've thought about it a few different ways. And honestly, I wouldn't hardly draw it up any different than it is. But, but it is radical if, if I think in my whole life of all the 10 head ropings that I've been to, nearly every one of them were set up in a big open arena where you could just go, you could just go make your run. Wherever your run played out, if you were five, you were five. If you were 11, you were 11. Um, 10 11s usually wins money at a 10 head roping, you know. And so uh, Ivy and I, one of the most encouraging things he said to me when, when we made the finals and we were talking about preparation and stuff, you know, Ivy said, man, he said, I want to. I want to win the average out there and you know I want to make I want to try to set up runs where I can do them 10 times in a row and you know we make a lot of practice runs we want to be prepared if we get in a position where where we have to press to make money and and we go fairly fast all year so it, I don't expect us to feel like we're making runs that are too slow um, but you know it's it is a 10 head average the biggest check you can get all week and, and the second most prestigious thing in rodeo um, is is to win the average of the national finals you know um, to to get a saddle in Vegas is is doing something neat in any way you can get it done and uh, so so we're really excited about that and and looking forward to but but you've got to ride the line if you need to catch 10 the worst thing you can do is get a bad start at the barrier um, and not be ready to heal them when they turn you know um, I don't necessarily need to throw when they turn but 
if he's going away from me when he turns, his feet are probably clearing the ground and I should be able to heal him. And if he's not going away from me when he turns, we're probably not going to get caught in the wall. Um, so I need to make sure that if he's if he turns a corner and is clearing the ground, that I'm in a spot where I can get my rope underneath his feet. Perfect. So, buddy, I, I, there's a couple questions I have for you that I think you do extremely well. The one thing I notice about you uh, all year long, I would say you have a ton of feel for the run. You know, I, I was listening to your podcast earlier uh, that you did with um, – uh, the roping journal with with Chelsea, right? Yeah, Chelsea. Mm -hmm. And uh, you, you're in a situation this year where you guys were. I mean, I think you had one of the best finishes that's happened in team roping in a few years. You know, there's been yes, some sir. where Pendleton was has got guys over the top, but really, you guys were you're close, but not. It wasn't right. looking very good at Pendleton time, just yep. because of how tough exactly. it is there. And uh, and you guys had a great finish and one of the best ones for a while, like I said, but. You talked about a steer that, in the short round, that kind of shuffled and didn't heal, and you kind of mm -hmm. were able to follow him and catch him. Right. And what I see with you is constantly taking the right shot to win money. You know, right. whether you have to be real fast. And where do you think that came from? That feel for the run and and just the ability that that way is that something you work on or? Yeah, I, I would say it comes. I would say it comes from being poor. And, uh, and, you know, a lot of people don't know the difference in poor and broke. And, uh, and I don't want to, I'm not trying to diss myself, but, you know, broke means you don't have money in the bank and poor means that you, you have a lower level of mentality, you know, um, um, poor people stay poor, broke people can end up being rich, but, but a poor person until they adjust that mentality. And, uh, and what I mean by that pace is, and, and, and I play it to my strength, but when I started roping, um, I, I literally, I remember going to jackpot before I started roping and my dad was entered and it was probably like a three for, you know, 16, three for $8 a man, you know? Right. And, uh, I remember the roping paid $212 exactly is what it paid to win the roping. And I was sitting there doing math and I was like, man, if I could go to like two or three ropings like that a week and win just a decent check at two or three ropings, I could get 500 a week, which comes out 2000 a month. That just seemed like a good living when I'm 13 year old kid doing math on how you're going to, you know, do what you're going to do. And so that was literally one of the turning points in my lifetime when I decided I was going to team rope to make money. Um, but then when I started roping, I hated myself so badly when I messed up for money, whether I messed up to win the very last hole at the round robin and it was a you know, whatever, a $20 man round robin and it paid $14 to win third. I was mad that, you know, I, w I would do that. And, and so the direction that I got is, is I, I got to the point even, you know, even after I'd only roped for probably three or four years, I got to the point where I could go extreme lengths of, of steers and never make a mistake. Like, like when I hit the turning point of timing, um, I had, I had developed a medium swing at that point, And when my timing came together, um, I was, I was able to, you know, I mean, I might go to a jackpot when I was a really low numbered roper and go 25, 30 steers in a row in, in, at that time it was old numbers, but you know, I had a number two, you know, so it was, that was the equivalent of a four now. And I would rope over 20 steers in a row by two feet, but, but I would literally set myself up where I could not heal those steers until late in the run. I wouldn't even try to get there until the third, fourth hop of the run. And then when I got there, I would always be at least two swings in position, in time, heal him, long, slow slack, long, slow delivery, maybe not even hardly stop my horse, you know, like just, I mean, I was so conservative. 
And then as my numbers started elevating, I started feeling, you know, this urgency. But, but Pace, I was for a long time, I was the absolute best for my number. If the entry fees were less than $50 a roper, there was no one in the world that would have beat me no, under any circumstance, I can guarantee you. But if the fees were over $50 a roper, anybody that could catch would beat me every time because <laughs> I, was, I had such a poor mentality of that. But as I said, now I play that to my strength because I developed, you know, by basically sitting back and watching so many runs develop, I, I started getting a better read of cattle. Um, and, and I think that's something that, you know, as, as some of the youth, as their talent exceeds their maturity, I see a lot of kids who feel the need and they have the talent to be able to, to ride higher or the headers are able to reach further naturally. And then what they run into, I see a lot of times, is when they put themselves in the high teamer, you're not sure if the deal's done. Like there's guys in the industry, when you put them in the high teamer, it's over. The roping, you can you can ride out the back end, second high callback with the lead and know that you won second place. And there are there are some, and, and it's not an exception. It's not like this generation has failed. Um, every generation has had this, but there were there's some young guys who have, have got ahead of that. And, and I would like to, in, in my mind, being frank, I feel like I'm one of those guys. When you put, you know, if you if the guy in front of me sets the arena record, like that's what happened at Pendleton, basically, right, they Chad. more or less tied the arena record in the in the short round. And so it's like, well, you know, if that happens, well, I'm probably going to go ahead, swallow my pride, and heal the steer. But but you put me in a spot where I can do what I've done all day, and win the roping. I, I would like to think I'm going to win it every single time. Um, and, and so I, I, I appreciate the compliment, but that's kind of the dark side of it is I, I would just hate, hate myself for messing up so bad that I just, I would put myself almost where I couldn't mess up. And, uh, then I think now, but I do think it's paying off now, you know, later. Well, I mean, absolutely. It's paying, paying off just like a situation like that, where you can be, be broke, not you were thinking about having to go home or have to borrow money at yeah. the point where you're making the finals and there's just a few weeks left and uh, you're able to, to do, you know, to get through that and fall back on a, a foundation right. for, for you. Yeah. And, and, and to just kind of sum up, you know, the, the, the short version of the way Pendleton was, you know, I showed up at Pendleton and I think I forget the number, but I'm pretty sure it's like $66 in one of my bank accounts and I had enough credit on my credit card to get back to the other side of the Rockies, that that was about it. But, you know, none of that ever factors, you know, and, and that's part of being broke, but but no longer being poor. None of that factors into my mindset of com competition. It may keep me awake at night, but it doesn't have anything. Like when I back in there, it's, it's myself and the steer, you know. Um, I, I think about it, you know, uh, I think about it like a, like a gladiator, um, and, uh, you know, we're just, we're in the ring until one of us gives, you know. And so my my perspective there, you know, it didn't have anything to do with it. But but to kind of sum up the end of this season, Ivy and I started roping um, in the fall of 2016. And we roped until the spring of, of 2018. And then I had had some personal issues and, and had to stay home for a while. And so he started the summer with Blaine Vick and I stayed home for a little bit. And then I left and roped with Brycrides for a while. And then I roped with Sherwood. And then I went on, and, and Lane and I had the opportunity to, to finish together. 
Um, and, and so we took that and I really, I was really excited about that. I, I knew, you know, Lane and I, we're, we're not, um, throughout the year, you know, it's, it's interesting to say we're not the most consistent team. We're not on paper, but, but, you know, we've won ropings like the Spicer Grip, which is, you know, a long marathon of a day, basically big, hard running steers. Um, and then we, we, you know, but we also, you know, over the 4th of July last year, we won three consecutive one headers, which I don't know if anybody's ever done that over the fourth, but you know, to go back to back when there's 60 to a hundred teams entered at every event. But, um, you know, at the end here, we had about, I guess we probably had about 12 or 15 rodeos left when we started roping again. Um, and, and so it was, it was literally crunch time. We were both, you know, between 25th and 30th right there for about three or four weeks. And, and we, it was, it was do it or do it. You know, we didn't look at any other options. Right. And just so you know, like, I mean, I've been out there and rodeoed a little bit, not nothing like Buddy has, but there are a lot of guys that can be 25th to 30th in the world after the 24th of July and go home. They, I mean, they feel beat then. And so to, and to be early September, end of August, and to be at that spot, the mental res, you know the mental toughness that you have to have and the discipline to not be down on yourself is extremely i mean that's that's a hard thing to do and and that's buddy that's what i want to get into next you know going to the finals you talk about being able to to make a mistake and come back from it or you know we talk about having the feel for the run and knowing what it takes to win what is your mindset do you practice kind of having the same mindset in the practice pen as what you're going to take to the Thomas and Mac in these big situations or what is your mindset going into the box in, in these scenarios like this yeah I I have uh, essentially I would like to say I wear I wear three hats I could probably even break it down a lot more than that but but in my mind um, in my mind when I ride in the heel box um, to heal any steer whether it be the Thomas and Mac Center or it, it be, you know, in, in, you know, the backyard with no panels set up or open the machine. Um, my, my mentality is, is basically I have, I have three options. Um, I have, I have hat A is, is my training hat. And that's, that's when you go to the practice pen on a Sunday afternoon. Um, and you ride a young horse and you're going to, you're going to enjoy your practice and you're not, you know, no matter what happens, basically, you're not going to get worked up. You know, you're, pr you're probably not going to draw up a scenario, but if somebody draws up the high teamer, you go ahead and play along and, and do whatever. But, um, you know, the main, the main focus there, you know, and, and I run a, um, I've, I've been marketing horses for a few years. I've got a page quality team roping horses and, and that's the hat I wear when I'm marketing horses. That's the hat I wear when I'm, when I'm training those horses or, um, you know, when I take an outside horse and, and with that, my, my mentality is, um, is, is my, you know, my rope is obviously, you know, I would say secondary. It's probably even, even later than that. It's on the back burner. And my main focus is, you know, if, if my horse isn't, isn't as calm in the box as he needs to be, I'll, I'll fix that before I go on. If, if my horse, um, you know, going down the arena, if I feel like he's not running enough or I feel like he's running through my hand or he's got his head the wrong direction or something, you know, we'll, we'll stop and we'll fix that right there. Same thing in the corner. And, and essentially, um, that's, that's one side of it. And, and a percentage of my runs are that way. And, and oftentimes throughout the year when I'm riding my good horses, that's the only hat I wear on them, you know, um, because I believe they're, you know, my horses are finished. They don't need a ton of full contact, realistic runs. Um, but then, you know, the next step on that is, uh, is what I would say my competitive hats are, are kind of, and I really have two of those. And one is, 
One is the um, kind of the what what I consider now to be disciplined first hop healing, um, and and I kind of considered it just throw it ready or not for a while, but now I've learned a little bit better, and then I have I have my my catch no matter what you know, and and that's what I wear you know short round at Pendleton is is the hat where if I have to take him around the track to heal him, that's what I'm going to do. It never takes as long when I commit to healing a steer. It never takes as long as it as you think maybe. Like if I commit that I'm going to track this steer until I can for sure catch him, it never takes me more than two, three hops, you know. Right. But if I go around there and I'm like, ah, I don't know what I'm going to do, and I'm, and I'm caught between swings, between shots, I may end up tracking him forever and roping a leg, you know. And so I really try to be that way. And so going into the national finals, um, you know, I, I have I, I have a my disciplined first hop shot. And, and what I mean by disciplined is um, I, I don't consider myself a sheer chameleon where I can see everything happening and blend into every scenario. But but I do believe that um, I do believe that I can be looking for the first legal hop of the first year in the first round. And if that is a terrible shot, I believe I have the capacity to um, to realize that prior to releasing my rope. Um, you know, I remember a run, I'm sure you do too, a few years ago at the national finals and, and Jade Corkill um, basically threw his rope but didn't let go. Right. Uh, it reminds me, and I'm not a huge golf follower, so don't quiz me, but it reminds me of seeing a video of Tiger in his backswing drop, letting his club go. You know, he would he would ad- basically all but address the ball and release his club behind his head because he lost focus. And I just I think that's so cool to think about that, and and I would like to think I'm developing the discipline that I can plan on first hop healing ten in a row. And if at some point during the week I don't see a spot that I can catch two feet, I'm able to swing. And if I don't see it, I can swing. And if I don't see it, I can swing. Um, and if we go 29.9 and I don't see it, then then I, I should have done something different early in the run. But I, I believe that I'm that I'm going to be able to see that within a swing or two of, of the first legal every time. Um, so, uh, but but most of my preparation, um, I've done a fair amount with the wall. And with Lane, but the majority of my preparation, I've I've ran you know fresher, stronger, lighter type cattle um, out into the arena a little bit further than you're going to at the Thomas and Mac, and just really tried to, to read my corners good and get myself in a spot where you know my ropes over the steers back, you know, um, just just a lot of what I would do all year long. You know, I, I don't set the wall up for San Antonio, um, but I usually do well at San Antonio, and I've won it before. You know, I haven't set the wall up for Nampa, but I usually do well at Nampa, and I've won it before. Um, you know, I don't I don't set the wall up for the BFI, and I've won that before. I mean, I'm not just going through my highlight reel, but the fact is, you know, the the national finals is is applying my rattler rope to the lower extremities of a Mexican steer. It's not rocket science. And so um, if I can see what I'm doing, Colin Von On and I had this conversation a few days back. And, you know, if you can see it, you can rope it. And uh, the a huge thing for me is be well rested, have my horses well cared for, and see what I'm doing. If I can see it, I feel like I, I mean, if I can see it, I've got a chance at the championship. I know I can catch for the world title um, if I can see it. And if I'm blind to it, then your guess is as good as mine. Right.
So we, we spent some time on the phone the other day and you said something to me that, man, it just really jumped out. And I, I was, I loved hearing it from you because you talked about uh, being a young roper and having success. And you see a lot of run, young ropers that have success early in their career, but they almost, their talent gets ahead of their work ethic and their ability to work at it day in and day out. And that's what I hear right there with you is, you know, you've worked at this day in and day out and you've developed this feel for the run, feel for the corner, how you're going to ride it. And you've got a really good understanding. And that's because of the work that you put into it. Man, can you kind of explain that to me? Like, you know, now that you're getting older in your career and you've missed some finals and that was, it was probably saving grace for, you know, because you, you have put your flag in the ground essentially, and you're working at it. Right. You're striving to get better every day and you have a great work ethic and that is, you know, now it's allowed you to, to be where you're at and have this type of, you know, ability, but it's backed up with, you know, your talent is backed up by even harder work ethic, I think. Yes, sir. Well, you know, uh, I, I believe the, I believe what I told you the other day is the thing I've seen most detrimental in this sport is premature success. Yep. Um, it's an individual, you know coming out and and I I would I would wager you can see that in every sport I don't want to drop any names but I you know I follow some other sports and and I'll see an individual you know show up on the scene and he's the guy that's getting all the media in basketball or all the media in golf and um you know I don't even watch that much but but I mean I'm I'm an athlete in you know in my way I'm an athlete uh I'm not that athletic but I see other other guys um in, in other sports do the same thing and they just flash bang, you know, it's, it's fireworks and their career's over. You know, they, they didn't put the timing in the gym. So their knees didn't hold up. And, and, and back to that, Hey, if, I mean, freak things can happen, you know, there's a, there's a good chance that a guy did everything that he knew to do his whole career and had, you know, the natural ability to be the next Michael Jordan and it didn't work for him, you know, or the next Clay O'Brien Cooper. And, you know, he got, killed in a car accident so you know i'm not saying it's strictly that i'm not saying bad things only happen if you don't work hard enough but but i see a lot of guys who have the natural ability to go on and do whatever they want in the sport and one of my good friends and i were talking about this and i said well i said what what i'm thankful for is that our sport is a learned skill if our sport was strictly based on natural ability and talent i would have quit a long time ago because I, I don't feel like I was gifted with with more than average. I think I had average amount. And I see a lot of my peers, a lot of clinicians and guys. In fact, I believe most of the guys that are great clinicians are guys who didn't have a lot of natural talent. Because when they started swinging, they did it wrong. And when they started riding, they leaned. And, and they had a front endy horse that racked them until they figured out how to set up straight. And, you know, when they when they swung, when their swing was jacked up, you know, they roped a leg. And they realized, hey, I got to do this and I got to do that. And a guy with a lot of natural talent and natural athleticism, he may excel at, at roping. He may not necessarily excel at education because he hasn't experienced enough of the downs. Um, and so I believe that's something that's that's helped a little bit. But I, but I see that. I see a lot of young people who who struggle with with that with that is you know they come on and everything's working for them and and you know they've they've got the world by the tail and then um, you know when things stop working you know when they lose that great horse that was exposing exposing their talent and they have to go find one well their talent revolves around one horse and when that one goes 
they're they're hung up and and so that's a big thing that I see um, looking forward and and to kind of separate myself from from that class and it's not that I'm better than them I just sucked and I had to figure out when I was you know I'm, I've been roping for 18 years now I started in 2000 so my roping is technically an adult <laughs> this literally this fall um, I've been roping for 18 years of my life so I've dedicated most all of my memories and all of my years you know I've invested my time into this um, but but I was terrible I had the worst swing I rode the worst I had absolutely like I shared earlier I had absolutely no ability to to handle pressure or to compete you know um, I remember you know one of the first high callbacks I had I was actually heading and and I didn't even head that much I, I still don't but I was actually heading I remember missing the steer and just you know and and I strictly missed I remember which steer I missed even in this herd and I strictly missed the steer under like just just blackout miss like it wasn't it wasn't that my horse did anything wrong or i did anything wrong i just could not see i just blacked out and missed the steer and and i remember a few weeks later coming back at the same jackpot and and having the opportunity having high call back at that jackpot again on the same they ran the same steer in there for me <laughs> the best thing that could possibly happen and, and i and i was once again i was heading and uh and i headed the steer and won the rope and, and um it was pretty it was pretty special but um, you know, I, I had none of that stuff, but, but I believe it's a learned skill and, and being, and being as it is a learned skill in my mind, then, then I have hope to be, you know, whether, whether you want to compare yourself or, you know, I don't compare myself to a lot of guys, but I have a, I have an opportunity to be great at something, um, because it's, it's a learned skill and, and, you know, and, and God's blessed me with talent and natural ability. I know I have some of that, but um, but I believe, you know, we, we really only, we really only get great, um, we really only get great joy out of things that we work hard at. Um, some friends and I were talking the other day about, about arguments and they said, you know, uh, it was actually my grandparents, they've been together 57 years and they said, you know, we don't hardly remember any of our fights. And I just thought that was interesting. And so I just kind of got to thinking about it. I thought, you know, well, your fight, you know, in, in, most cases a fight is just kind of that flashbang it's just kind of something that pops up everybody freaks out and vents and then when it's over a day later a week later a month later it wasn't that big of a deal probably um and and it didn't take a lot of effort therefore it, it doesn't have a residual value to you um but the things that we put a lot into um, to me, that's that's where we're going to get that residual value, the residual sense of accomplishment and the joy. I see guys who in this sport who win huge events and, and huge things, and it, and it doesn't mean much to them. Um, and I say it doesn't mean much. It, it doesn't have much residual value to them. And, and I believe a lot of times that's that's because of exactly what they've put into it. And then I see other guys. One of my one of my favorite wins in the history of team roping is is Sherwood and Woodard winning Houston this year. You know, and I've got a ton of respect for both those guys. You know, Sherwood and I are close friends, and I've got a huge amount of respect for Walt. Walt's a guy, in my opinion, I love him. He he wasn't blessed with the most talent of anyone in the sport, and and that's why I love him is because I feel like no one has has outworked him for forty years. At, at beating at his craft and to you know to come on i don't i don't know what age he is and he probably wouldn't want me to say but to come on and, and win houston that seems like he's probably older than the rodeo but houston is you know and and set the arena record on your last year 
and the uh, the arena record has been tied right in front of you. It just you know just to draw that up is is just it couldn't be drawn up any better. And and to me that's a, that's exactly it. Is is Walt Woodard's a grinder? He's he's put in a ton of effort. He's he's made several horses work for him over the years. And uh, uh, you know you can't you can't fault his his ethics. Well, I mean, and I remember seeing it. Walt was in tears in the Absolutely. arena. Absolutely, yeah, both of them, yeah. And that's very few moments in anyone's career. Yeah. And and that's what's so cool about the sport is like with the World Series finale, and you get there's big moments all the time, and it's to that individual and and with how everything's set up, and and that's what makes it so cool is there's so much losing involved and struggle involved with what we do that it makes winning very very sweet when it happens or and it can be a big moment and if like for me some of my my favorite moments have been on horses that i've trained and then i get to back into a kind of a, a high pressure situation and, and do your job you know and it, i really didn't care about the money i won i was just happy to do well in a high pressure situation on a horse that i was went through a lot with and i think that that's special yeah that's exactly right that's a that's a great point and one thing um you know, we were talking the other day about about horses and and how many horses guys have have won majors and won world championships on and, and things of that nature. Particularly in the healing, I probably know more history. Um, and how many of those horses were were the that was the horse that 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 particular guy won the junior world on or won the you know he he won the college nation on or you know he high school rodeoed he junior rodeoed he little britches rodeoed on the same horse he went on won the world championship and you know horses that are trained i can think you know 10 different stories right off the top of my head of major wins on horses that guys started from the ground up and and you know and, and i think you know a thing that that will run into there and and you know i'm i'm so happy for someone who's blessed with with the the finances or they you know you can say blessed or you can say earned but a guy who has the opportunity to go out and and buy the things that it takes to do what he wants to do i i'm just tickled to death to see someone be able to do that um but you know what i think will come up just as often as that and, and more often really in our sport are guys who made the horse um because that was their option you make a horse you can compete on or you don't compete and then once you, you know, the U.S. calls and says, congratulations, your number's bumped, <laughs> right. you make the next horse or, or you work with that horse to become good enough. You can compete at your next level and the next level. And, you know, the first time I placed the BFI was on a mare that I bought the very first horse that I ever owned. <clears throat> um, and I rode her. I rode her for 12, 13, 14 years. Um, and you know, the first, the first check I had at the, at the best open roping in my mind, um, you know, uh, was, was on that horse and, you know, and literally I rode her from when I started roping in the year 2000, um, until 2014. Um, and, uh, well, I say that I, I guess, I, I guess I bought her after I'd been roping for a while, but the general idea is, is her and I were a teenage team. Um, and, and went all the way to the top and, and placed at that roping and, and, you know, it means a ton to me. Um, like you said, and, you know, and that's where we really, if we really want to define winning, um, you know, that's something that's changed for me in my life, you know, uh, is I, I see, get so much accomplishment. I have such a sense of accomplishment out of being able to help someone else accomplish what they want to do. Um, and, and then the same thing, when I see a horse really get the point, you know, um, 
Uh, I've got a couple younger horses. In fact, a couple horses you videoed today that, that are that are going pretty good right now. And, and, you know, it just really pleases me when I see a horse, even if it's not my horse, even if it's someone else's horse, and I have an opportunity to ride them and, 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 you know, and I really, I'm really getting my communicating well, you know, is, is the way I look at it. If, if a horse is doing it wrong consistently, there are a few bad horses out there, but I would say in my career, I mean, like I said, I've been roping 18 years. I think it's safe to say I've rode 500 horses, you know, and I haven't rode five bad horses. You know, I've rode, I've rode 50 that I don't know, ever want to ride again, but it wasn't because they were all bad. It was just because I got tired of the same old, same old, but, but I've only rode a few horses that I would say that was a, that was a bad horse. And there are a few, but in most cases, what I feel like is, is, you know, it's cliche, but it's rider error. It's that, you know, we're not able to communicate what we want and, and how we would like for them to move their body or, or do their deal. Um, and, and therefore they do it the way that either a, they can get away from the pressure that we're applying or, or B, um, they, they respond to it, you know, in extremes. Man, uh, that's cool to hear too. Cause you, you know, you think about that. I'm, I'm being a horseman and, and developing with horses. It, it, it gives you, that's a great perspective to have because you, you're taking essentially, if you don't, if you, the horse is doing something that you don't like, it's because of something that you've done. And I, I mean, you look at it like a head horse that ducks. He yep. probably did not know how to duck when you first started riding right. him. <laughs> right. And so there's that's a yeah, great if, if mentality. That horse, yeah. If that horse would have ran around the pasture with his left shoulder down and his nose up and to the right, you would have probably thought this horse has some kind of a disease or there's something <laughs> wrong, and he's just not going to make it in the heading. But he probably came in the pen just like every horse that doesn't duck. Um, with his head right directly in line with his withers and his tail. And, uh, you know, um, and, and, and that's a spot to me, you know, that's where I'm in, I'm in support, you know, um, of, of maintaining our horses well. I don't think every single horse needs this 25-point um, checklist of, of injections and adjustments and this and that. I think there are some things that every horse needs, and there's a lot of things that are specific to that animal. You know, I've had horses that I injected every 30 days at periods of, of their training or, or their competing, and I've had horses that, that I rode their entire career, PRCA rodeoed competitive, that, that I never I never really had to do much maintenance on. And I think that's specific to the animal and, and how well they do their job how easy they are on themselves. Um, and then their tolerance for pain too, you know, just to be frank, you know, I hurt sometimes in the morning, but it doesn't change how my, my schedule goes. Um, and, and so, but, but back to that, you know, when we run three horses in here, you can pick three horses out of the same stud and the same mare. Um, and they're going to be three different animals and you might ride three different saddles, and three different bridles. And, um, and they may be similar, you know, um, they're going to have, related traits but you know my brother doesn't work the exact same job as me and if he did he wouldn't do it the exact same way and that's just how it is so we we have to as as horsemen you know to me uh, a horseman's not a man who turns a lot of horses into the same horse but a horseman is a man that turns himself into a lot of riders you know he can put on the right hat for the right horse and do the right job so I'll, I'll give Buddy a plug right here because I do think, I believe in what he does and I really like how he goes about it. Buddy will sell some horses, train some horses. Where would we follow you on Instagram? Man, I, I manage quality team roping horses um, and I've got an Instagram and I've also got a Facebook for that. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm kind of at, at this point in my career, um, I'm, I'm focused 
even more so, you know, at, at different different seasons of, of the year and different seasons of life, I focus more and less on the horse side of it. Um, but 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 that is part of my business, and um, and it's something I love. You know, the way I got into that, actually, I can explain a little history that's kind of trivia that's fun. I was looking for X, um, looking for my good heel horse that I ride now, um, and I went about three months with, um, you know, what, what I would say is a fair amount of cash. I had, I had sold a, a really good horse that wasn't quite good enough to go on and make the national finals on um, for a fair amount of money, and I spent zero dollars of that money, and I added to it, and I was ready, you know, to, to go buy a horse. And I looked high and low. Um, I followed every horse page there was and every website. And I was just, you know, I was looking for that, for that horse that fit my budget that I thought, man, this horse has the right things. And, uh, and I went 90 days and I, I couldn't find a horse I wanted to ride. I rode one horse in 90 days. I knew he wasn't the one. And, and, but I thought, well, maybe I'll just turn him, you know, for profit or something. And anyway, and, and then when I found X, like I said, I ran, probably ran nine steers on him. He was fat and out of shape, but, but he made one run that gave me hope. And so I was like, man, I haven't found anything else. I'm going to buy this horse. And if he doesn't work, you know, I'll resell him. Honestly, I, I didn't know for sure, but he made one run that I liked. Um, and, uh, then, you know, throughout the next year or so, I, I've always considered the horse market because I love horses. I love people. I love training and, and educating and all that. So, um, anyway, it just, it kind of just planted a seed of, man, if it's that hard for me, I rope for a living. I know everybody in the game, basically. If it's that hard for me to find a horse, how hard can it be for, for a number five roper who gets up and works their eight to five and then has an hour in the evening to look for a horse or, or vice versa? How hard even harder for that number five to be able to market his horse. And and so when I started Quality Team Up with Horses, my idea there was to take the the opportunity, get basically provide the opportunity for buying and sales of of basically being a, a broker, so to speak, and and uh, and you know, to use integrity and and use my uh, my honest opinion on these animals to say hey this horse is going to be right for this guy it's not going to be right for that guy um, and um, so so as I did that what I, what I found was you know because I always thought well I'll wait till I'm older and have more experience well, what I found was I had to learn as I went anyways so I was glad I started it but but I I do market some horses um, and man the horses are everything in the game you know um, that's that's all that it is. <clears throat> Oh, I got to agree with you 100% there. And, and, you know, you're real limited to what you'll take in and picky, and I really appreciate Absolutely. that. Yeah. So that makes it even cooler. You know, getting back to the, the rodeo and, being, yes, and training your horses, what has been the the best moment so far in your roping career? What's been the most uh, enjoyable moments or, that you've had? You know, I, I would – I would honestly say uh, the making the finals this fall, Lane, Lane Ivy making the national finals. You right. know? Um, and I know, and I know, and I don't want it to sound like uh, I don't want it to sound at all. Lane Ivy ropes amazing. I don't want it to sound like it was his uh, that he was, you know, that he shouldn't have went, or that it's awesome that he got in. Or I, I think he's going to show up in Vegas. He's going to be at home in in that setup and and i think he's going to look like as good a header as there ever was out there um but but the way our season played out this year and and the fact that we didn't you know we had roped together for about 18 months straight and then and then i had to i had to um not that i left him hanging he got a good partner and went out and did a fair amount of winning but just the fact that i had to change the plan you know i'm i am very much a, a planner and and I, I plan the work and I work the plan I plan the work and I work the plan and and we had a good plan we had had a decent fall you know we placed the all-american finals cruised along slow winter decent spring we felt good about our roping 
Um, and then, and then I had to make an adjustment there. And so, you know, we didn't get to rope for, for a couple months and, and we just kind of, you know, we fell back a little bit in the standings. And so, you know, it was a spot when we started roping and we were, we were behind, um, you know, we were in a position where I, I felt like in no way did I feel like, and you know, I've said this before, but I think there's 25, 30 guys a year because I'm out there. I see what everyone does, you know, the series I'm doing for the, for the NFR, um, and, and, you know, probably into the future, but we just started is called steer to steer. I see what guys do from steer to steer when they get done on a Saturday night perf until the next year they run on Wednesday. You know, if they get done at Estes and the next one's at Casper, I see what guys do between those two steers. I see some guys who get in the practice pin and, and grind it out. You know, they, they go to, you know, I mean, shoot, sometimes you got to go to a, a local practice somewhere and pay $10 to wait in line and run four steers, you know, all night long or whatever you do. But, but you, you know, I see the guys who put in the extra. I see the guys who make that quick trip to the vet to, to try to fix their good horse instead of just butting him all summer long. And so I see the guys. And like I said, to me, there's at least 25 guys every year who deserve to make the national finals, who deserve, you know, to feed their family. That's, that's a debate I've had with some committees on equal money is like, you know, uh, uh, I've got a ton of respect for all the rough sock riders and stuff, but it's like, man, a team roper's kid deserves to eat just as good you know uh, he deserves no. just as much food so the the spot i see what guys do between runs and i think there's 25 30 guys that deserve it and lane ivy is one of the guys that deserve it and the fact that i felt not that he had to have me by any means because he ropes great with every healer in in the game but the fact that i kind of felt like i didn't live up to all of everything that i needed to do and 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 lane just you know he just uh you know, rope, rope good. And we come right down to the end of it and to have the opportunity, you know, I, I roped, I, I not, I don't think it helps me much to keep track of mistakes, but to rope really well at the end, basically every steer he turned the last few weeks, I feel like I roped pretty good. Um, and, and to seal the deal. Um, and that's something I shared with Chelsea, maybe on the, on that, uh, episode on spin to win, you know, is, is if I could have went home in August and Lane, Lane made the finals and I didn't, that was all it took. You know what I mean? I would have been happy to go home. I've been there before. Um, but the opportunity to do it together. Um, and, and we have now we have that. We've got two years under our belt. We've made the national finals. We've won some major ropings. Um, and, you know, I think now we have legitimate, you know, street cred, if you will, to go on and do whatever we want to do in the, in the sport. Um, and, and so that's, that's a highlight. I rope with Drew Horner, one of my best friends of all time, still is. Um, you know, the things we were able to do, some of the stuff we did, we did sheerly on, on like inexperience. We were just too naive to know we couldn't. And so we did it, you know, right. they said we couldn't until we did, you know? And, uh, so, you know, that's awesome too, but, but this fall and, and that's the freshest great memory. So that's, that's the one I would say, you know, and what's so cool about you guys is what you talk about for two years, basically you've been roping together. Yep. Um, and Lane, in the last four years, I've been around him a lot. His, right. his heading has went from, I mean, he had a good four years right. ago, but right. now, I mean, it's just now you're just start, everyone's starting to hear their name or they're going to see right. his name. But last year he headed awesome. And yep. he, and his horses and everything that he does and his work ethic, you know, he is put together. He's got some game. He can go to yep. the jackpots and, and be competitive, a right. muley roping, a short score, yep. long score rodeo. 
uh, he's got a bay head horse that is amazing yeah. and and then he's smart enough to know what right. kind of horses to get on here i mean I, you, I got to see what and talk to him about the head horses he was going to ride at yep. thomas and mac and, exactly and and so that's what's cool about him is you guys have grinded it out for yep. a while and it's and it, the whole team is a very complete team i mean I, I like that about it and that's that's what's cool and and i highly suggest it as a a guy that's trying to get into the game and rope for a living you know right. what what I see a lot of times is it'll be a team that works together. And right. they, it's the same they grow, like you talked about growing with your horse. Exactly. If you can do that with your partner and be able to build each other up and right. and communicate and talk about a run. And I think you, you see a lot of people that they become very successful that way. I mean, yeah. you know, and that's, I, I, that's cool. I agree. I, I think, I think the, you know, what a lot of times would be, you know, I think the term chemistry gets thrown around, whether it's relationships, partnerships, whatever, um, because people don't understand, but, but I can sum it up, you know, in probably a, just a few bullet points. Um, but, but the, the discussions I would say that Lane and I have that, that is just Lane and I that, you know, it's not private, um, or I wouldn't share it, but the discussions that the two of us have that, that basically I think sum up where we're at is, you know, when Lane and I talked about roping in 2019, you know, within within a few days of making the national finals this year and whatever, um, you know, we sat down and like, well, you know, talk about if we want to rope together or not, you know, just, just you know, Lane and I are, are um, we're going to be great friends for the rest of our lives no matter what happens. Um, but, you know, we discussed it and our talk went exactly like this. And this is, team roping is a business. We don't make a ton of money, but it's a business. It's a job. We get up every day and go to work. If if I knew he wasn't getting up and go to, going to work, um, it would be hard for me. I would still work at it, but it would be hard for me to expect us to do good when we show up at Houston or we show up at Chicago or we show up at the BFI. Um, so, but, but I know he's getting up and going to work every day, but you know, our conversation went exactly like this, you know, we, we basically said, you know, well, do we want to rope together? And, and, and I said, well, I said, I feel like you can win more money with me than you can any other healer you have the opportunity to rope with. I can win more money with you than any other header I have the opportunity to rope with. So I think it would be silly if we did anything else. And that's pretty much summed up the conversation is we're, we are friends because of of a lot of the things we've worked through together but if at some point lane ivy can win more with another healer i'm happy for him um and it's my responsibility as a healer to make sure that doesn't happen you know make sure that i've got the horses that every time that he turns the steer they're putting me in a position you know that would be my first bullet would be the horses um you know the the work ethic is a given but i have to have the horses and then you know and then to have the 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 ability um, with my rope, you know, and that, that comes from, from preparation. You know, I think you can run enough steers wrong to figure out you're doing it wrong. And, and I'm not going to say everybody's going to do that, but if you're actually out there trying to get better and you keep doing it wrong at some point, it should click, Hey, this isn't working in my program. Um, but that's, that's a spot to me. And, and you're absolutely right. And my, and my opinion of Lane, um, is, you know, <clears throat> he's going to do what it takes. Um, you know, whatever it takes, to do the job he's going to do. And it's never going to take sacrificing your faith. It's never going to take sacrificing your family to do a job well. Um, if, if that's what you're put here to do, um, then you're going to be able to do that within the parameter of your physical and emotional and mental ability. Um, one, of my, one of my good friends um, had spoke to a, to a big country music artist, and they were just talking about, you know, he, he wants to go into music. And he said, and he said what does it, what, what does it take? What's the best advice you can give an up-and-comer? 
and this this superstar said he said well he said if you put the work in and it's meant to be it'll happen if you don't put the work in and it's meant to be it won't and I thought man that's to me that's exactly where everyone needs to be is if your heart is set on this thing but you're not sure put the work in and if it doesn't work it wasn't meant to be but if you show up on game day or you show up on the stage or you show up in the heel box at the World Series finale or whatever you're doing, if you show up there with the preparation and it doesn't work, it wasn't meant to be. And and I can I can gracefully, you know, my sometimes I lose control of my emotions, but it's really rare. I can gracefully bow down when I make a mistake on, on a big stage and I'm like, Man, I really thought that was that was the deal. Um if I've done everything I can do, but but what will put me <clears throat> into you know borderline depression is if I feel like I showed up at the event and I wasn't prepared and it didn't work, and I know I lost before I got there. I know X, Y, and Z. Those guys showed up with the preparation and then executed, and I showed up expecting to beat them without the preparation, which I can just tell you it does, doesn't happen. You know, you're not going to catch me on an off day anymore. But but there were points in my career where I, I would, you know, I would show up and I wasn't prepared to win the event. Buddy, that's absolute gold to me to hear that. And I, and I think that everyone listening needs to understand that, especially there's so many dynamics to that. One thing that I think is really important is you're working at it really hard. Lane works at it Absolutely. really hard. And when you guys go win or lose, it makes it that much sweeter, really. Yeah. And, and you know, when someone makes a mistake throughout the year, which yep. you guys have had many letdowns, the yep. then it doesn't allow that crack in. Well, well, he's not doing this and, right. and you can't, and that, right. that is poison. And yeah. if you start, if you put enough thoughts that way yeah. pretty soon that's what you'll see and but that's if exactly you right. if you believe you're working at it as hard as you can go and your partner does the same yeah. and you're doing everything in your control that's a guy you can lose with and yeah. that's the guy you want to be winning with because it, it right. the the sustainability is if that's even a word i, think I that's a good word i like that <laughs> yeah i uh, i get made fun of all the time because if you watch the office i'm like michael scott i make up words I all the time i love the office i adore it <laughs> Not to get too far off topic, but I love what you're saying there, and, and that's exactly right. You know, I ended up 16th last year. Lane was a couple of holes behind me. But, you know, Lane probably missed 30 steers, 40 steers during the year that if we just caught that one steer clean, we would have made the national finals. And I don't even know. Like 30, 40 is a huge number, but it, maybe it was four steers. But I probably missed 15 or 20 steers that if I just got two feet, we would have, I would have made the national finals. Um, but the fact is, you know, at the end of the year, we missed the finals as a team. You know, if you're, you go and your partner doesn't go, you didn't do what you set out to do and, and vice versa. You know, um, if, if your partner goes and you didn't go, well, well, you know, I would much rather my partner went and I didn't, you know, cause I would feel like at least at that, at least I had enough integrity and preparation and whatever to get my partner to the national finals, which, you know, for the people that are listening, you know, the, the national finals has so much to do with your income for the year, you know, more or less everyone out there rodeoing in every event is going to be at zero dollars when they pull into Las Vegas for the year. They are going to have spent every single dollar they won rodeoing all year, rodeoing all year, and you make money in Las Vegas, Nevada. And so the now the jackpotting game is a different deal. Some guys jackpot more or less for a living 
they don't win a lot at the rodeos, so they don't go to a lot of rodeos. Um, but but other guys, you know, they don't do great jackpotting. They don't jackpot. Um, you know, uh, I, I like a saying one of my friends said one time. He said, you can, you can go rodeo and you can jackpot and lose and go broke. Or you can not jackpot and go broke, <laughs> right. and and I see it. I see it a couple ways, but but I would rather jackpot and win and have money. But um, but the fact of the matter is, you either make it or you don't as a team. Um, and and I'm not super happy about being 14th. The thing I can say um, about where my heart's at is is it won't happen again. Uh, like I, I really believe that um, we've we have latched on to a lot of the things as a team that we need. And, and uh, you know, Lane as a header, me as a healer, if you want to separate us, Lane Ivy is, is, is a force to be reckoned with in my mind, and, and I believe I'm, I'm in a similar category. And so looking forward, I feel like we have the opportunity to go on and, and accomplish a lot of the things. You know, when Lane asked me to rope in 2016, the, the thing that he said that no one else said when they called me um, that fall was he said, I want to win a gold buckle, you know, and, and he didn't deserve one, and neither did I. But, but he said he wanted one. And, uh, you know, when somebody says that with, with conviction, you know, in my mind, you know, it means he's going to do what it takes to get one. And, and that's something, same thing, like you said, the horse selection, you know, um, I had, I had the herd, basically the herd of horses that I have now I had then. Um, and, uh, and I haven't, I haven't been handicapped horse wise, you know, I'm always looking for another great one, you know, um, but, but Lane, he didn't, he didn't have the horses to do it. And, and he's, you know, scratched and scraped and, and searched the countryside and, and tried, you know, I bet he's tried 40 horses a year the last two years to find the few that, that we've been winning on. Um, and, and now he's put together, I think, a herd. You know, we haven't done great in the winters. Um, you know, uh, I think he's, he's got the right horses now that, that next year in the winter, 2019, I think we have opportunity to have a great winter and, and do great at the places that are like the Thomas and Mac. Um, that, and, and so, you know, I'm really looking forward to it, but it, it takes everything. Somebody asked me the other day what, you know, um, they said, man, your healing looks great and this and that. And I was, you know, I said, thank you. It, you know, I feel good about it. I, I would like to, I would like to be super, uh, humble or negative or whatever, but I've just started taking compliments now. And, uh, anyway, they said, what made the difference? I said, man, everything, every single thing made the difference. The the ground conditions, this type of spins that I'm getting, the way I'm caring for my horses, you know, having Josh to help drive, you know, so I can get, you know, uh, that's what I, every now and then he gets driving too fast. And I'm like, Josh, I cannot rest while I'm driving, but I don't want to not rest while you're driving. And so, uh, you know, I have to get onto him getting slowed down and, and, and this and that, but, uh, but, but it's, you know, it takes so many ingredients for each person, and it'll be a little different for your regimen than mine. It takes so many ingredients to be what what you would consider um, successful, and then you know once you get to what you might say the top, um, everything you've been putting in it is required plus. You know you now now what can I add? I, I'm not taking anything out of my program. What can I add to my program for 2019 that will allow me to stay at and or progress in the sport because you know i'm by no means reached the top so the other thing too i think is really important and it might be harder for you because you're so close to it but what i see is you're 16th in the world 2017 correct yes yeah lane is 18th or 19th yep 
that's really easy to look at that in a negative light. Absolutely. And it's really easy for the team to make excuses and blame each other because you, yep. you say you, you, you didn't make it as a team. Yeah. But what you guys did was you got better as a team. Absolutely. And, and there's times where it didn't probably feel like it, and you guys knew the work ethic was there and were able to fall back on it. Right. And that is why you're here. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, there, there's no fluke. The other day I was thinking about, uh, I, t I talked to you a little bit about discipline, first top healing. And the other day I was thinking a lot and doing a lot of studying on, on discipline and kind of what, kind of what discipline means. And I think everybody has their own interpretation, but what discipline means for me is, um, that, that I'm going to, to have a, a schedule, a regimen, a routine of, of how I am going to execute both my run and my day, for example. Um, and, and so I just kind of got to looking and I got to thinking about everyone that I know in the sport. I got to thinking about how much time I've got to spend around the greats, whether it be Rich or Speedy, Clay O'Brien Cooper or Jake Barnes, T-Woman or, you know, and, and, and I, I just, I looked at, you know, the things that I saw and, and you know, what started to occur to me is all the greatest guys have a unique style. You know, you could watch a silhouette of T-Woman head the dummy and you can tell the difference in him and the silhouette of Speedy heading the dummy. You can tell the difference in the silhouette of Alan Bach roping the, the feet and Walt Woodard roping the feet. You can tell the difference in the silhouette. But, you know, the thing that I, that I saw there was uh, I don't see that much variation in the way Walt Woodard ropes one steer and another steer and another steer and another steer and i see the same thing with with you know in my mind clay trine trevor brazil jade corkill patrick smith everybody that i would say is great they had a lot of discipline in their program and the way they went about it and, and so then i even kind of branched out and and you know the guys that in my mind are are great right now or or you know i mean the guys that are doing all the winning you can call them great or not um but you know you've got paul eaves um, you have Junior, you've got Petska, Jake Long uh, at the top of the board right now. You know, Jade obviously needs to be in that class. He didn't rodeo that much this year. Um, Travis Graves. And, you know, the list could go on and on. Corey Coons is still in the top five and has been forever. But, but what you see is you see those traits of, you know, the way they start their first swing, the way they ride their corner, you know, the way they, they ride their horses. While their horses need different things, they, they – they manipulate not not in a bad way, but they they manipulate their own bodies to manipulate the horse to do what they would want to do. They give the horse what he needs to get them to their shot. You know, TG's shot is a little bit different than my shot. We're similar, but we're not the same. And he can get on one of my horses and ride just a little bit different so that he can still catch every time and, and vice versa. But but what I see there is is the discipline factor. Right. I think that's a big thing uh discipline and being true like i when i see that discipline you know being true to what you do in all the situations and not and you see that with a lot of young ropers or sometimes when we'll get to a bigger scenario or big rope and like you might even see it at the world series finale here in a couple of weeks when all of a sudden there's 300 teams and the ropings are looking tougher and there's a lot of guys that throw fast or whatever people will abandon their game plan and just and go to doing things that they're not normally doing instead of just staying with it. And that's when you see the greats, I think that's so much. I agree with you because look at, I can't name two healers with the same swing. That's exactly right. And and I think you hit the nail on the head. I've, I've told some young guys, I said, if you go to, you know, 
Reno basically starts the summer. You may start two weeks earlier, and you may start, you know, you may start right there. But, you know, as I've said, is no one goes from Reno to Cheyenne, and they left and they went to Reno and they had a plan. And they stuck with their plan from Reno to Cheyenne and then loaded up and went home. And and by no one, I can't say for sure that no one ever did, but but what I see is the guys who who don't finish the course, the guys who, who let up are the guys who left for Reno and they had a plan. And they drew bad. They they made a couple mistakes. Whatever they did, no one caught them all over the Fourth of July. It just doesn't happen. Not not in our sport. Um, but but they they made some mistakes and they tweaked on it. And then they made some mistakes and they tweaked on it. And then by the by the week of whatever Nampa, Salt Lake, Ogden, guys are like, man, I just I don't know what he's doing. Whether it's their partner or their horse. You know, or, or maybe they're honest and they're just like, I don't know what I'm doing, you know, but whatever it is, they come up with, like, they realize, you know, because the fact is, you know, where where we make our plan, you know, I think about it a lot of times, like, uh, uh, you know, where a guy makes his weapon, so to speak, you know, is, is at the shop, you know, you heat it up and you beat on it and you heat it up and you beat on it and you build what you need to go out and go to battle. And if you go out there and what you brought doesn't work, you can't just bend it and continue in battle. It's it's not going to be an effective weapon. You've got to go back to the shop and you've got to beat on it and you've got to fix it or start start fresh. Um, but what I see out there in the summer is I see guys who tweak on it and tweak on it and tweak on it. And after six weeks of tweaking on it, it hasn't worked because they had integrity with what they started with. And, and you know some guys' style are hit the barrier and throw their whole rope. Or, or ride to the bitter end of it. And that's what I was getting at a minute ago is Korpetska may be the most disciplined healer in the game. Who takes more consistent heel shots than that guy? Now, maybe the variation of his heel shot is that his position is slightly different than the next guy. You know, but the fact is, Corey Petska is the most disciplined first hop healer in the game, I believe. And and he's got a gold buckle, and he deserves one. He deserves maybe more. But the fact is, you know, a lot of guys would probably say, well, you know, this or that about, you know, such and such as style lacks discipline. But if they're staying in their game, you know, Dustin Nagaskiza is, is a force to be reckoned with. He may end up being the greatest header of all time. Who knows? I mean, who you can't you can't find somebody that can do what he can do and he can do virtually what anyone can do. So the but but like that, some guys might say, Well, you know, I just wish he could sit down and run in there and catch him. Well, everybody can do that in the ten point. But who can do who can do what he's doing well he may be the most disciplined guy and and so the direction i believe with that is exactly that is when you have a plan and you're like no i'm sticking to this plan you hear stories all over america um of of every guy in the game going through spells of their roping you know clay and jade were the favorite for the title a few years back and went like 30 days without winning a check or maybe one three thousand in 30 days the heat of the summer 30 days and could not catch two cows they caught one cow um and then come right back and have the signature fall that we thought we thought their whole year would be like that and you know and then at the last 20 rodeos they win forty thousand. and it's like you know and they win first at like eight out of 11 but to me that is a team that and i had the opportunity to buddy with them several years ago 
um, for a little while, but that's a team that, you know, I, I'm happy to see them do good because if they can't do good, they've done it all. They've went out and searched for the horses and bought the horses and they've put the effort in and they both get up and work at it. Um, you know, whether a team or separate, you know, those guys both deserve to win. And, and so, um, but you know, they go out there with a plan and they know that their deal's good enough. It's just a matter of putting yourself in a position that you can continue, um, to go until, until it pays off. Man, buddy, that's, I, I don't even have anything to add to that. I think that's so cool to, to hear that and just discipline and being true to yourself. Like you're saying, I couldn't agree with it anymore. Um, well, man, my wife, she's in here cooking some meatloaf. And I like that. I know you've had a long day of roping and, and I'm, I'm ready to eat something. So I really appreciate you being on here. And if there's anything you want to add, uh, you know, like I said, you can follow Buddy on Instagram. Um, he also has his, his quality team roping horses page. Uh, but I, I highly suggest you follow him on, on all the social media platforms because he's really cool. I, I really like what you're all about. Man, you know, I, I really appreciate the opportunity. The only only thing I have there, you know, uh, I, I was talking to Pace earlier today a little bit, and, and I said something about uh, – you know about having a membership you know i've had a membership on x factor and and uh um you know i seek out i seek out as much education as i possibly can and at, at the level that i'm at you know you could you know you could borderline say i have the least to learn um and all i do is is study all the time you know i study the mental side of it the emotional side of it um you know and and um the the physical side of it obviously but, you know, the, the only thing I really have to, whether you're an up-and-comer or you're at the level you want to be at, you know, I, I don't know why anybody would uh, would care about any of this if they were at the level they wanted to be at. I think everybody wants to be better. They may not want their number bumped, but they want to get better. And so, you know, the biggest thing I've got is, you know, I see got a lot of education. And I tell people at my clinics, I'm like, man, you have opportunity to go learn from somebody else. They're going to have something I don't have. They're going to have something that, you know, I, I encourage that so much. And, and so, you know, I, I love what. I love what Pace is doing with X Factor and, and you know, the, the thing about, about photos and videos, you know, they, they don't lie. You know, I, I would never mislead someone purposely, but it's like two of my heroes in the sport. They think about, they think about a loop or, um, or a horse or whatever in, in a totally different manner, but, but it's perspective. You know, if we roll out of bed in the morning, we put on green glasses the wall's green, the floor's green, everything about the day's green. And we put on red, it's all red. If we put on optimism, we're going to see the positives. We put on negative glasses, we'll see the negatives. You know, and, and you know, we've got to get up every day and, and want to want to learn. We've got to want to get better and see the lessons in, in life. You know, I think a lot of times when we feel like we're stuck in life, it's because we haven't seen what God's put for us yet. You know, we keep going through the same mill because, you know, you haven't passed fourth grade. You've got to go back. And so what, what, you know, my best, my best advice that I can give anyone, you know, up and coming. And I think a lot of people know it, but, but man, look, seek that stuff out, you know, and, and learn how you learn because everybody learns different too. You know, I'm going to get more out of an audio book than I am out of a visual book. 
Um, and, uh, you know, I'll get more out of a picture than I will, that will words. That's what I said I loved about Spindlewin, you know, the Team Rope Journal now is when they put a huge color photo with a tiny caption at the bottom. <laughs> that's, that's my way of learning. And so, um, you know, that, that's all I've got. And I've got to plug, you know, X-Factor's got the best content available to the team roping industry. Um, and, and it's not easy. And I know, you know, I mean, it's probably one of those stories where, you know, you've robbed Peter to pay Paul and, and mortgage the house so you can do it. But, um, but it's, it's going to pay off for y'all. But, but man, people have got to, if, if you want to get, you know, if you can see where you want to be, um, you've, you've got to start a, a plan on, on how to get there. And, and, uh, you know, you've got to learn how to do it. Um, you know, this is a learned skill. Like I said, I believe wholeheartedly that, that anybody can learn to be better. You know, I hashtag, uh, wrote better on everything I do. And, and that's who I am is, is, you know, I get up every day and, and go to work. And sometimes I go weeks without feeling like I've made any difference. Um, but you know, my goal is to rope better every month and I've never went a month that I didn't learn something and, and didn't improve on my sport. Man, that's really cool to hear. Well, Hey, I, I got one more question for you because yeah. you brought up the audiobooks. I love, and I, I love listening to audiobooks. Me too. All right. Give me the one you're listening to right now and then your favorite audiobook. Yes. Yeah, so, well, let's just pull it up. I've got several here. Um, uh, I'm pretty sure the last one I listened to, we're going to have to disclaimers. It does have explicit content. Um, Tim S. Grover, Relentless. Yeah, read it. Um, love it. And uh, I uh, uh, back to that. I want to, uh, uh, like I said, there's there's going to be a little bit of foul language in there for, for uh, I guess you'd say, accentuating purposes. Um, uh uh, a book that I that I actually don't have an audiobook. Um, I have some CDs. Uh, is with Winning in Mind, and that's uh, Lanny Bassham. Yep. Um. Uh. It's a great book. I love Mind Gym, the Inner Game of Tennis. Um. Uh, another one that's maybe not so popular is uh, Keller and Williams Realty has a book called The One Thing, and uh, it's it's uh, it's available on the audiobook. Um. My my single favorite of them all, I would I would say, is probably is the the Relentless. Um, by Tim S. Grover and, um, you know, for, you know, quick update or whatever on that, you know, Tim, Tim coached, um, Dwayne Wade, Michael Jordan and, uh, Kobe Bryant yep, among Kobe. a bunch of other athletes. And, you know, what he goes through on there is, is different personality types and, and, you know, the traits of them. And, and there are so many things that, that I identify and, you know, uh, I, I was around some people the other day and I had them listen to the book. They identified with a hundred percent different traits than I did, which was so interesting to me that, that he's done such a good job. But you know, he, he, uh, he doesn't give you a lot of to do's in the book. You know, most of, most of what the book is about is, is really identity and, and, you know, learning who, who you are and, and essentially loving yourself for who you are and, and doing what you do. You know, I, I don't love downtime, you know, um, uh, one of the guys running the camera today, Landon, he asked me, you know, why aren't we on a beach somewhere? And I said, man, we're in the sand and the sun's shining. What more do you want? You know, I'm, I'm on the beach, you know. I would much rather be healing steers than, than sitting out somewhere uh, uh, getting my white legs burnt. But, uh, but, I, but I love all that. Um, I've, got, I've got a few more. But, um, and I'm all about the, the motivational speakers who, who get to the core of it. I'm not about just 
getting up there and yelling and screaming, but like if you've actually got got a point, I love Les Brown, I love Zig Ziglar, I, you know they're kind of the older generation, I guess, but I think those guys are are awesome. Eric Thomas is great, and and I go I go you know a, a lot of that stuff, but you know that's back to being poor. You know I my my parents did a, did a amazing job, but I I there was so much of that stuff when I started competing. Like I said, I lacked a lot of the competitive. Um, uh, abilities and and so I study a lot of athletes and a lot of stuff that that um, athletic coaches that's one thing in the sport of team roping we haven't really gotten as far into as other sports is you know a lot of your coaches in other sports are, are not necessarily your top athletes but it's guys who have a better understanding of the game um, and just don't necessarily have the the athletic ability to do it or, or they're retired um, from doing it and they have already forgot more than than most people know um, I love a quote that that Kobe Bryant had from that book and and he was playing against some young guys and they asked him they said uh, they said can you learn anything from these young guys and Kobe said no I can't learn anything from them. They said, so does that mean you know it all he said, I, I don't know if I know it all but I know I know more than them <laughs> and uh, and and that's kind of ego-centered i guess here's a word egocentrical <laughs> i'll throw that in from, yeah. <laughs> from uh from uh the office but but anyway uh but the fact <laughs> there is like if if there's knowledge out there you know why aren't we we lapping it up um i heard a guy talking about budgeting your uh budgeting the mental game you know if we believe that that 90% of the game is is mental and once you once you've reached a level where you basically deserve to win 90% of the game is mental it's said that you know um, you know the average budget for for mental coaching mental um, whether it's books audiobooks any of that is less than 1% of anyone's income you know how is it possible that we would spend less than 1% of our income on 90% of our game um, and so, you know, it's back the same thing. And, and I love it that, that you're, you know, diving into this, um, is, you know, so much about what we do. It, it comes down to that, you know, Lanny Bassman talks about, you know, there's, there's basically three tiers. There's your conscious mind, your subconscious mind and your identity. And, uh, you know, in the conscious, that's how we get better. And that's how we learn to do our task. Um, the subconscious mind is when we basically turn that mind off and allow our, our muscle memory to do it. And the identity is essentially saying, Hey, I deserve to be here. I've done my part and, and this is mine to win. You know, my saddle is in Vegas and, uh, um, I just got to go out there and get it. They're watching out for it for me. And, uh, if I lose identity, then I, then my subconscious can't function in a way that it needs to. So then I have to go conscious. And when you're trying to think about the 4,000 things that happen in a run, you know, it's, it's just, it's just, uh, I'm not going to say it's not going to work out cause I'm optimistic as heck, but I don't think anyone has the control in a team roping run to think about and see and listen and feel everything. Um, so I try to get in almost that third person, um, where, where I trust the preparation, um, to, to carry over. You know, I, I know that I've done my part to be prepared for the national finals or whatever event that I'm fixing to go to. And, um, so then I'm going to trust my subconscious to take over and, and compete for me. Um, I'll be a, I'll be a fly on the wall, so to speak. I'll just, I'll just have a front row seat. And, um, that's by far my favorite book with winning in mind. The book relentless is great. Uh, gives you a a really good perspective on those personality types of the yeah. greatest athletes. Yes. And that's, that's so cool. So buddy, I appreciate it. Thank Absolutely. you for sharing, man. And, uh, and good luck out there in Vegas. Hey, thanks for having me. Peace.